Today, I am speaking with Dylan Goodwill, and she is a senior math and education major at Bowdoin College. She is co-president of the Native American Students Association, or is that, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought it was NASA, Native American Students. That is yeah. N-A-S-A. Okay. And she's <laughs> Diné and Lakota from Wind Rock, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, hi. Hi. Um, so, we are going to talk through three questions today. And those three questions are, what's most important to you? What does a liberal arts education mean to you? And what do you wish your professors knew about you? Mm -hmm. But I'll make sure we get through all of those, so don't worry. All right, so what's most important to you? Hmm. I think what's most important to me is I think of uh, three things, which is my family, all the time and then there's my education and then there's always my culture and they always like it kind of like how I think about it goes in a circle it's not like hmm. one's better than the other it's just they have to coexist with each other and um, they wouldn't be able to work together if it wasn't for the like the other parts hmm. so I think of my family all the time because um, we're very family-centric and my mom and dad made it very clear that family was always very important and like we had to help out all the time, but they all were very um, adamant on getting an education and that that was the way to better myself because my dad um, dropped out of high school, so he knew how important it was to get an education. And then my mom is a attorney who has a JD and she hmm. just saw how it benefited her. So then she just pushed us to do the education, which is why education is so important to me. And I realized that I was really good at it. Huh. And then from that, <laughs> it was like culture within it is like another set of education, but it's also around family. So it's like interesting, mm. like growing up, um, trying to like coexist with Lakota culture, like dancing powwow or doing sweat lodges with my dad or else like doing my Navajo side and that's going to ceremonies like staying up all night or having my kindle death ceremony and it's just like all you're learning things through that and it's realizing that that's another kind of education Mm -hmm. so it's just like they have to all work together to be able to like to be able to just turn to make it work and so that's why I think is most important. So it's almost a wheel even in Mm -hmm. some ways um that kind of circle or something that's a rotating circle to keep in sort of the cycle. Mm -hmm. I was thinking as soon as you had said, these are the three most important things to me, I was thinking, wow, Bowdoin's so far away from your family Mm -hmm. and your culture. Mm -hmm. And so what has that been like when you're trying to maintain that balance? It's very, very frustrating and it's been very, very lonely. So it's Mm -hmm. been a very hard, um, four years I would say because I often do have those like kind of breakdowns where I just like really wish I was home um to be able to hang out with my Che who which which means it's the Navajo word for my maternal grandfather who I'm very close to um and sometimes it's just like realizing that you're not home to do the most important things like I missed my my uh, cousin brother's becoming a man ceremony Mm. and I really wanted to be there for it um noticing that I can't really speak Navajo as as much as I could have Mm. when I got here Mm -hmm. um so it's like interesting because I'm realizing that I have to like um find a balance but trying to understand that like I'm bettering myself 
and I will be going home after graduation so I can pick it up again. But it was really hard being here and not having my mom and dad always around. But then they would always like tell me to keep praying or keep doing some cultural aspects. Mm -hmm. But it's also hard knowing that you're also losing it at the same time. Right. Yeah. So it has been very hard. Is there anyone um, on, have you had anyone on campus who is either Navajo or um, Lakota at the same time that you've been here? No. So I'm actually the um, only Navajo Lakota student at Bowdoin. And everyone else has been, um, we've had a, a very, very, they had so many different um, native students on campus, um, a lot, like a lot coming from the New England area, and then um, a couple from the West Coast, but they were still like, um, they're not Navajo or Lakota, mm -hmm. so it's very different. Um, so I had to do a lot of things on my own. Um, like every year we go to the powwows at Dartmouth or at Brown, but I, mm. I'm also one of the only students who dances. Oh, so huh. it's, it's interesting because they all go and they like to spectate, but I actually dance. So it's interesting how that works out. Um, but uh, where I feel most close to my culture is the Anoka group, which is the South Asian group and I because there's a cultural dinner aspect to it rather than just the dance group I'm a part of mm. is that when we do the cultural dinners we were talk about Hinduism and I was realizing how closely or how similar it was to Navajo culture oh interesting. so I actually founded it I founded I found that Anoka was my little niche better than NASA was at some points because huh. I was able to relate to Hinduism better than uh, the other native cultures because they were so different. Oh, interesting. Can you tell me a little bit um, about what are the, some of the connections between Hinduism and your Navajo culture? And Because mm -hmm. I just don't know much as much as I would like about either, so I'm curious mm -hmm. about where the intersections are that you've seen. Well, what I realized is that, um, so when we would talk about it, our co-leader Divya would always, when she was talking about it, would say that there are so many different deities and they're not just like in, um, just not like one god, but in a sense that each deity is tied to a set of things is how I understood it. And I don't know, understand Hinduism fully, but it was just like I was able to connect with that because Navajo culture and Lakota culture, the deities are like in everything. So it's not just one. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like we don't just pray to Wankatanka or um, to the holy people. It's like you, there's ceremonies where you pray to like the bear or you would pray to mm. the coyote and then there's because they have different aspects that could help you in that moment mm -hmm. so you don't just pray to one and then there's the other thing was that there's this like um what I was really surprised about was that um I think if I remember correctly that they were talking about how seven seven there were they had a, they had like a concrete number that meant a lot to them. That that was kind of like a holy number, and for Navajos, that's four. So it was hmm. so it was just like interesting to be able to be like, oh, so I'm not the only one that like because we also have four. We do everything in fours. Oh, so it's just like interesting to see that another group also does that. Mm -hmm. So it was it was just nice to be able to like know that there was another culture that I could relate to, even if it wasn't like completely the same. It was just like 
it was just comforting to have that structure. Yeah. Are most of the students who are dancing and members of Inoka, are they mostly South Asian or are there lots of cultures represented and backgrounds? There's a lot of cultures um, in that in Anoka and it's really great. And our leader is Divya. She South she is South Asian. Um she is also the choreographer, um, but the dancers have are like white. There's me, who's native. There's um, Philip. There's a Filipina in there. There's African American students. There's mm. like just so many different cultures in in mm. Anoka. So it's like really interesting how it works out. What do you think binds everyone there? Because I, I I've talked to um, Olivia before mm-hmm. about that. That's one of her favorite places mm-hmm. on campus. Um, and so now talking to you, I think I want to ask that question of like, what what do you think is the glue or what do you think is the attraction um, to bring such a diverse group together yeah. in something that is completely sort of this very ext- extracurricular mm-hmm. piece of Bowdoin, right? Mm-hmm. And so, or co-curricular piece of Bowdoin. So what connects you to that? I so at first I joined Anoka because Divya was in Osher with me, so we shared the same freshman dorm. Mm. So I already knew her, and um, I hadn't danced at all at Bowdoin when it first started, and I wanted to because I was I really missed dancing, and so she was trying to look for members. So I said I would help her out with the membership, and then um, noticed that more Osher people were coming in as well. Mm. So it was like interesting because it was just like a group of people that we had already known and then um we were just like grabbing people who we realized we just inter overlapped with right so I don't know what makes us like stick together so closely but we do almost everything together which is really nice because you know that we know that Bowdoin can be kind of clicky so it's interesting how like we're not that clicky in the sense that, like, we don't have all the same friend groups, but every Friday we can just come together and it just be, like, our day to just do something. So we have, mm. like, dinner and then we get practice right after, and then it's just, like, really fun. So Fridays is, like, my favorite time. But I don't know. Like, it was just, mm. like, a family aspect. It was just, like, really kind of, like, um, comforting. And, like, we don't – I don't know. It was just, like, really just relaxing to just be with people who were similar to to you who felt like they were one of a minority or like a minority of a minority because mm, mm-hmm. um there's not a lot of south asian students here there's not a lot of native american students here there's not a lot of filipinas on campus so it was just like all of us being like the minority of the minorities coming together right. to make another minority but it was really fun <laughs> <laughs> um are there men in the group or is it all women there's one guy in the group <laughs> we were trying to get more men but a lot of people don't stick with us but we've had um one guy in the dance group for about a year now and um he year and a half now and he like loves it and he just enjoys it but he he and he also gets to have his own like outfit done and so it's so nice it's really it's really cool to have him um yeah I was just wondering when you were sort of (laughs) talking about this having dinners and I was just curious if it ended up being an all female space or mm-hmm. if it was if it was mixed. Yeah, it's very female dominated, but we always have our friend Alex coming with us to everything and he just like 
I don't know how he's able to handle us sometimes, <laughs> but it's just like really nice to have him there because it just, he kind of balances out the group, it feels mm-hmm. like. <laughs> so is the group going to, is Divya, is, um, sounds like probably Divya's a senior. Mm-hmm. So is the group going to continue or is there someone who's taking it on for the following years or is it going to end? Unfortunately, it's going to end after the semester. So we started or like restarted the group my sophomore year in the fall and then now we're ending it because there's no one else to choreograph or keep the program going, which is sad. But we're really excited to have our last semester together. Nice. Yeah. Will you make sure that you tell me when you do? You'll have another performance, mm-hmm. right? Do you always perform at the uh, the December and spring dance performances? Is yeah. that when it is? Okay. I'll make sure that I go for the last one. Okay. <laughs> um, so back to the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go to education and think about what does a liberal arts education Mm -hmm. mean to you? I think it goes back. So it, like I said, it it goes back to the wheel where like in Diné culture, we always talk about and that usually means like trying to find a balance in your life. And I realized that I appreciate having a liberal arts education because I'm able to have a balance because Mm -hmm. I really enjoy STEM, but I also enjoy all of my um, social sciences as well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm uh, I'm able to like, so I have like the the most random setup going on. So I have, I'm a math and education major with a history minor. Oh, I forgot about the minor too. (laughs) So I'm just like the real like random student. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to practice like my, um, I get to practice my critical thinking and my writing and um, research in all of my like social sciences. I get to do my all my numerical and analysis in my math classes, which I really like. So I have that balance because if I had just like one or the other, it would just I could not. I feel like I couldn't handle just doing math Mm -hmm. all the time or just like history and sociology and education all the time like I have to have both right so it's like really interesting um so I just like really appreciate it because I um I appreciate having a liberalized education because I get to like pursue an educational like in a sense lovely yeah maybe we should have that conversation with students when they first come in they tell you I want to be this and you say okay let's just try to how do you say mm-hmm. um Let's talk about some wholeness and balance here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> before you before you shoot off on your path. What was the transition like for you when you, besides sort of culture and missing family, what mm-hmm. was the transition like when you came to Bowdoin from uh, your high school experience? It was it was actually really really tough. Um, if I hadn't gone to uh, Phillips Academy Andover for the summers, um, doing a program called MS Squared, which stands for Math and Science for Minority Students, mm. which is where I had met Olivia. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, so we've actually, Olivia and I have been friends for like seven years now. Wow. Yeah, so we met at that program, and that was so intensive in college. Um, it was like a college prep program as well. So it Yeah, focused. will you talk about that? Because no one yeah. on the podcast has talked about that program yet or going to Phillips Mm -hmm. um 
Andover Academy in the mm-hmm. um, summer. So yeah, talk about that. What was it like? How'd you get involved? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually, so how I got involved in all of this was that in seventh grade, my ed- my English teacher said had this program that for some reason, uh, Winderock, or Sehotsoy Middle School, and Choate Rosemary Hall had this weird connection. But I think mm. it was because my English teacher just happened to go to college with the director of like a summer session there. So they had this like scholarship for seven students to go to Choate Rosemary over the summer. And I was one of the students who got to go in like 2008. Yeah, 2008. So I did that one summer and that was a four week long experience to Mm. be in Choate Rosemary and doing like um, all these preparatory classes. And I was there by myself with like seven other native or six other native students. And it was really nice to just like, um, experience that and then I just wanted to keep going to summer programs because like it was able to I was able to like travel all of New England through scholarship which was really nice yeah so then I found um I told my guidance counselor in high school once I was a freshman being like do you know of anything that I can get into and he said oh "Oh, there's this program called math and science for minority students and you should go and it ended up being that was one of the first native um, students from my high school and then um, I think it was, like, there was someone else, like, way ahead of me, but no one else had ever replied again. Mm-hmm. So I went, and then I got accepted and um, somehow got placed in the most advanced classes there, So which is where I met Olivia. And because there's uh, A, B, and C categories, and okay. you have placement testing to get into them. And I somehow got into C's. Uh, which means that I was in the most advanced level. So I was taking physics, which I never would have taken at my high school. Oh. Did, was it offered at your high school? Um, it was sort of offered, half like online and half through a teacher who kind of knew how it was. Wow. So I never took physics unless I was at Andover. Um, and then I took all of my math classes, advanced math cl- courses at Andover. So when I went over back to my high school, it was just like super easy. <laughs> I ended up being like sitting around a lot of the time. <laughs> So, um, I, if I hadn't gone to Andover, I think I would have struggled a whole lot more at Bowdoin because that was also the only place where I was really challenged to, um, write essays because in my high school, um, the most essays I've ever written was my senior year and everything before that was probably, I think I wrote three essays in total between my freshman and junior years Mm -hmm. and then senior year was was like all the essays for college applications and all the essays for my college course that I was trying to take because I was just trying to get anything to like help me um transition Mm -hmm. better Mm -hmm. and like was your mother pushing you to do that you know or not pushing you but encouraging you to seek those opportunities or were you just hungry for them after doing the uh Choate Rosemary Hall it was a weird mixture. So it was like a very much like kind of like up and down thing where my mom sometimes would be very like um, into it. And then there was also times where I was just like self-motivated. But my mom, I think, was a little bit more consistent in pushing me to do things than I was because I fluctuated a lot. So when I wanted to do MS Squared, it was funny because I wouldn't was I was really shy to even ask anybody about it, so I just kind of let it go until my mom forced me to talk to my guidance <laughs> counselor. <laughs> so um, it's it it was like a weird mixture of both 
uh, where I was self-motivated to do mm -hmm. it, but my mom was just like the consistent like voice in the background. Yeah. yeah. I know you talk about your dad a lot and that you respect mm -hmm. him too. And I was curious how, um, as you have gotten more education and I know you plan on going on for more mm -hmm. at some point, how has, how has that um, either connected you or divided you from him? Or mm -hmm. like, do you, is it hard to talk to him about like what going to college is like? Or, mm -hmm. or is it that he's just so happy that you're doing what you're doing that he is hungry to hear what's going on? Like, what is that it's experience? Like, I think it brought me and my dad closer together because I'm so far away and I'm learning more and more that I'm very close to my dad and I um which is funny because I thought I was always close to my dad until recently I was I we've been doing road trips a lot together and then we've been like we would just talk about how because he travels a lot too and so we would just talk about the different areas we've seen and then how places have changed over time so I go to New York to visit my freshman roommate a lot and he's been to New York to travel and dance a lot, and he would always ask like how things were going and how what's changed around the areas he's seen. Um, when it comes to talking about education, he like likes to listen what to what I'm doing, um, and I think he's like really he's just like super happy about what I'm doing. Um, we talk a lot more about like what I like to research or what we're currently talking about in current events, rather than like what I'm learning mm -hmm. um and I'm not sure why that is actually but it just is more comfortable to talk about like the things I'm gonna do or like and then asking him how I should do it mm -hmm. because like when we had a lot of like issues on campus and I was um doing discussions or like when I was trying to do presentations on my culture I would always like ask my dad first to make sure that I'm not giving out any false information so I'd always like call my dad to be like, oh, that's great. do that? Like, how do I do this? Right. What an awesome resource when you were being called on to be a resource that you mm -hmm. had him to draw upon his knowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's always been like my, my, my parents have always been my backbone. So my mom is like the common sense in everything. So she'll always make sure I run th things through. So I always call her to just like run anything by her mm -hmm. and um, to double check everything. And sometimes she'll just be like, you have this, it's fine. Like, I don't know why you're <laughs> calling me. And I'll be like, no, I just need to like talk it out to be able to know that it's fine. And if my mom approves, then I'm pretty sure that I'm on the right track. Right. <laughs> and which I love so much because, uh, she's just been a guidance for me. And then my dad is just like this sturdy backbone as well in the sense that like, if I'm having a hard time or if something's going, I know my dad has my back all the mm. time. So I can just call him and he would be like, do you want me to come out? Do you want me to come oh. see you? And I'd be like, I'm fine. Or else he'll just be like, um, he'll just like want to come fix things for me sometimes. And I'd have to tell him no. But I just, it's just like, he's been like, if I feel like I'm getting beaten down, I know I can call my dad and he can lift me back up in a sense and like dust me off. Cause either he'll give me real talk, which is like a lot of tough love <laughs> or he'll be like, yo, I got you. Do you need something? Mm. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, like, really interesting how it worked out, but, uh, or else my sister's my sister. My sister's, like, always my, she's, like, my right hand, I swear. <laughs> Did she already, I think you had told me about where she had gotten into school, right? Well, because, yeah. is that right? Yeah, she's uh, got in early action at Stanford. 
but we're waiting to hear from other schools. Okay, so she's right. So she is still, she's about to go to college. She hasn't gone yet. Not yet. Not okay. Yet. Um, and you're thinking about going, you're planning on going home, mm-hmm. right? So what are you planning on doing? So right now I'm applying to grad school programs at Arizona State in their higher and post-secondary education program, which I'm really excited about because I work in admissions here and on Res Life and with the Multicultural Center, and I just love working with minority students because I also helped with College Horizons when they came out here, which is a Native American college prep program. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I also did that, which is how I found Bowdoin. So oh. it was, like, really interesting because um, uh, so when Bowdoin got picked for College Horizons two years ago, I was helping... Um, trying to figure stuff out for that um, and just brainstorming with them. Unfortunately, I didn't get to like be on campus to work with them, but I, I just liked help volunteering mm-hmm. for it. So I just enjoy that aspect of education that has done so much for me to get to places. And I see what it's done for my sisters or and my brother, my cousin brothers. And it's just I enjoy being able to help students who are in that, like, limbo period of, like, going in that transition. Mm -hmm. So it's just, like, something I want to look into. Um, The other program I'm applying to is the University of Arizona in American Indian Higher Education. Yeah, so it's, like... I I just made a face of, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, like, I'm really excited about that. And my parents are really excited that I'm coming home. Yes. It's not, like, in my hometown, it's a it's like a four hour drive from to Phoenix at ASU and then like an eight hour drive to Tucson for U of A. Mm-hmm. But my parents are still like you're in the state, right? So. Right. <laughs> you don't have to get on a plane yeah. to go see them. Um, what would you say to a native student who was thinking of coming to Bowdoin? Mm, I would really want to direct them to go contact people in the Ivy Native Council. So I've, this last year, have been part of the Ivy Native Council. And what it, will you tell me what that is? It's a nonprofit organization. It, it's um, an organization that started out with Ivy schools and I, Ivy Native groups coming together and, like, just being a community for each other where there isn't a lot of community in your own school. Mm-hmm. And... Um, a lot of what I've noticed is that a lot of Native students who come out east, we've all gone to school with each other or done mm-hmm. programs with each other, but mm-hmm. we all gotten separated because we chose our own different schools. And this, these conferences are a way for us to all reconnect, but also to learn how to be mm-hmm. Native in higher education and then how to balance that or else like learning something new in higher in, in Native culture. So like this last November, we went to Yale and... Um, it was Native American feminism, and we just got to learn about, like, mm. natural midwives, like, Native American midwife, midwifery, wifery, I can't wifery, even say it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then just, like, all these different um, really amazing, strong Native women telling us about how it is to be in this education or how to be a doctor or how to be an educator. And it was, like, super awesome to be in that situation, but I also got to hang out with people who were also upset about what was going on in the Dakota Access Pipeline. So we all got together as the council and, like, wrote letters to the White mm-hmm. House, to our senators, and, like, did a picture and, like, sent money to go help with legal funds. And so it was just, like, really cool to be that, be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't have a Native community at Bowdoin that's really large, I would tell a Native first year to, like, contact the INC because those conferences have been the best 
support system I've been to so far. And um, I'm currently on the council, so I already try to outreach to students who are not in Ivy okay. schools because we're not in Ivy school. So I'm the at-large representative trying to get other Native programs who are like Dickinson, um, Colby, Bates, right. like their Native programs, if they're interested, wanting to come to our conferences so that they can have that community as well. Oh, that's such a, that's really great advice too of something so pragmatic mm -hmm. to check in and make that contact. Do you stay in touch with people from, um, from the, from the council, like on Facebook and things or, or mm -hmm. some, so were you like, no, it's Instagram now or something like, <laughs> is, um, like, do you stay in touch through social media or mm -hmm. are you like having conversations or is it just enough to be, um, connecting at those conferences and it like gives you the fuel to get through? I think all three is how we connect. So, um, like with the council, like the actual board, we connect, we connect with like Google Hangout. So mm -hmm. we have our meetings on there. Um, and then uh, we chat on Facebook all the time. Mm -hmm. And then with the friends that we have made or friends that we just, we've had this entire time, we talk on Facebook almost all the time. We add each other when we get to these conferences. Yeah. Once you make these, those friends, you just want to hang out with them more yes. often. Um, and then just being with them is also just like nice to connect. So it's like yeah. you use all three. Yeah. Yeah. What, so you, I imagine you probably heard or saw the news about... Standing Rock. Was mm -hmm. it last night or today? Was it today where the governor's ordering the, the, the vacate, like for everyone to vacate? I did see that. I did hear about it. Um, it's been a very hard year being a part of the, uh, of the Native community, but also feeling like you're kind of stuck at Bowdoin in a way. Um, I... Uh, like me and my friends, I made a friend uh, in, in the Ivy Native Council and we would just talk about how sometimes we just felt like we were stuck or weren't doing enough at our schools. Because mm. I had families who went to go, who were staying at Standing Rock for like a couple days. They didn't stay long, but they were there to show mm -hmm. their support. I've had friends who are from there. Mm. And then it's just like, so it's like really hard because I held a rally here and that felt really good to have it. Um and then having people sign petitions and then understanding which don't like um, places they can donate money for the legal fund. But it felt like I wasn't doing enough. And so sometimes it's been a struggle. And then seeing the news, it's kind of traumatizing. Because mm. um, last November was the most troubling time I've had at Bowdoin um, in a weird way because um, it wasn't. It wasn't, like, uh, up in my face with a person who's saying stuff to me. It's just, like, seeing the news and then hearing what's going on. But the example that I gave was, like, it was really hard because I feel... This is when I feel like I'm misunderstood at Bowdoin sometimes is because um, you hear about the raids that were going on on the Standing Rock camp. And one of the, at one of the raids, they destroyed a sweat lodge and arrested all these elders. And... Um, that was like a kick to my stomach when I found out. I felt like I just lost air that day because um, to us, a sweat lodge is like where you go to cleanse yourself. It's where you go to pray. It's where you feel like the most at one. And it's like supposed to feel like you're back in the womb. So when you come out, you're reborn, you're clean, you're cleansed. And it's just like a very spiritual thing. And elders were always told that you need to respect your elders and that they're the most 
cultural resource, like you just listen to them, they hold your the like people's knowledge. To hear that they were disrespected in that way was like horrible. And the best way I could describe that day was that it was as if someone had destroyed my church because they wouldn't, I don't think most people would ever equate a sweat lodge, which is so tiny and it's something you take apart and rebuild mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not solid. But like to have it destroyed was like get, having your church destroyed. So that day was like when I went to Anoka and I was just like crying because it just was really hard. So this year has been very interesting in the fact of hearing Standing Rock and it feels like all these things are happening and it affects me in a way um, that I never realized it would have. So I'm realizing mm. a lot about myself in that way, but also just feeling very kind of constrained. But also having, I always just have to re, like reassure myself that I will ha be able to help my people once I have a degree. So, right. So it's like, even though it's hard being here sometimes, it's you got to know that you're doing this for a reason. And that reason is so I can go home and help people like that and like these issues too. Yeah. So. so what do you wish your professors knew about you? I wish they knew how hard it is to be one of maybe three students who are native on campus because a lot of the times we're asked to do Native American Heritage Month. We're asked to do... Um, info sessions or have meetings with our deans to talk about how there should be better support for Native students. And I wish they just knew how stressed I was sometimes because I would never, I, pre, I, I feel so honored that they're asking me for these um, tips or getting, asking me for help in these ways because I want to help Bowdoin. Um, but I think Sometimes I wish I could just tell my professor that, oh, can I have an extra day because I got, I got called into Dean's office to talk about Native issues last night and I'm just feeling mentally drained. And right, so it's not just about the time. Yeah. It's about the emotional toll yeah. that it takes to talk and work through sort of the challenges that may come up yeah. cyclically. Yeah. Too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I just like wish they I they knew how hard it is can be at sometimes because I would never take anything back. I like I like that the experiences that I have and what I and what I do and getting asked for help and being able to be a student but also being um, an advisor in a sense mm -hmm. is like super unique to for a Bowdoin student and I think that's really awesome to have that. But sometimes it's like having a fifth, sixth, seventh class. And sometimes, like, when you're in NASA, you have to hold meetings at, like, 10 p.m. And mm -hmm. it's just being a Bowdoin student is never, you're never off. Because we live on such a small campus, everybody's so, like, lives next to each other. You are, if there you can't make a certain time you have to change it to a different time mm, and it's mm -hmm. just like you're always on so when they're like oh you had all of break or all of the weekend to do something I'm always thinking well I was preparing for the speech I had to give or this presentation mm -hmm. I had mm -hmm. to give that to like the deans or president or about like my freshman year when I had to do my very first uh, teach-in 
I had to, I didn't get to go to Ivy's, which is our concert weekend, mm -hmm. and I didn't get to go because I was writing my speech out and my presentation and calling home and calling my Che and like getting all the information together so that I can give the best teaching I could give at that time. So it was just like, it's, I wish they just knew that sometimes I have, I can't always focus on their schoolwork as much as I want to, but being a person of color is sometimes a class within itself. So you have the added work on everything. Um, but from all of that, I think I've learned a lot of like um, really great skills regardless. And I really appreciate that because I learned a lot of time management skills I did not have <laughs> beforehand. Um, I got to really like work on what my priorities were and have to realize that through so many, like through mm -hmm. all of this. So I had to realize like, um, planning, prioritizing, organizing, and then it's weird because now that's like my favorite thing to do because that's why I want to go. That's why I want to go into administration right. and be in like in like programs like College Horizons and or an admissions program mm -hmm. because I like programming things and planning <laughs> things because that's what I've been taught and learned to do and right. now enjoy. So it's like really interesting. That's great that you, even though it seemed maybe at times a burden, yeah. right, or a distraction, that you've now realized that it's going to be the thing that takes center stage mm -hmm. in your life. That's cool. Mm -hmm. When do you find out about grad school? I don't find out till April. Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's so a, hard. It's a it's a long wait right now. <laughs> so I'm just applying to jobs within Arizona, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, and if I don't do grad school or don't get accepted this year, I'm probably going to stay at home to help family out and, mm -hmm. like, help my Che go to his um, hospital appointments because I, I when I go home for break, I do that anyway. Right. And it's, like, my favorite time because I get to listen to all of his stories. Yes. And um, um, I get to hang out with my dad. And I'm really – if it doesn't work out this semester, it's not too bad because I get to travel with him more and I get mm. to go back to dancing powwow more regularly nice. because – I used to be, um, um, I was like getting better when I was in high school because I was always traveling as um, with my dad and then I came to Bowdoin and I haven't really danced regularly in four years. Mm -hmm. So whenever I dance now, I get super self-conscious because I know I'm not as where I used to be. Right. So now I'm looking at it as an opportunity that I'm going to get better at dancing again. <laughs> um, and then like I get to hang out with my mom because my mom is always like we have our movie nights when we go because she for some reason is always into finding these really like independent films and like I don't know where she finds these movies but we always like <laughs> that's where I got my culture from mm -hmm. I think or like being cultured and being able to see art in a different way so all like how me and my mom connect is through tv because <laughs> she's like always on too like my mom is like a work the single working parent and she's mm -hmm. just like doing everything and so now i'm just like if it does if asc doesn't work out i have another year to apply because then i know i can go home so i have a backup plan and it's fine but I'm really excited regardless to be going home. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, keep me posted because I'm really excited to hear where you end up next. Of course. 